Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word tonight? Amen. All right. Let's open up our words. We're going to be going in just a moment uh, to, uh, to, well, I'm, I'm going to show you a scripture in Matthew, and then we're going to be going to Luke, the first chapter for a verse. Eventually, we'll end up, hopefully, in the 11th chapter of Isaiah. But tonight, we are beginning a two-part series on the fear of the Lord, uh, the fear of the Lord. And tonight, part one is on phobio. What in the world is phobia? Well, you recognize it. It's a Greek word from where we get the word phobia, okay? To actually be afraid of something. Isn't that interesting that you can find that in the Bible? Oh, it's written so many times in the Bible. You know, uh, this two-part series, by the way, uh, tonight and next Wednesday night, you will need both parts in order to understand what I believe God intends for us to learn about the fear of the Lord. And uh, the fear of the Lord should not be debilitating, but rather invigorating. So I'm approaching this subject as though that this is something that should invigorate us. It should motivate us. It should not debilitate us. And that is the bad side of fear, is that fear can be debilitating. Fear can immobilize you. Fear can freeze you. And many times fear is juxtaposed, is put opposite of faith. And many times in the Word of God, you do find that fear and faith stand on opposing grounds. But that's not what we're going to be covering tonight. Okay, uh, We may cover that and we will cover that next week a little bit. But uh, the fear of the Lord should not be something, as I said, that is debilitating, but rather something that is invigorating. Many times people imagine that healthy fear is relegated only to reverence and respect. And many times people, every time they go to the Word of God and it says fear, they automatically default to God means reverence or God means respect. And many times that is true. However, uh, you know, and even though we are taught to reverence and respect God, uh, uh, but many times what we imagine is God wants us to reverence Him, God wants us to respect Him, but if we don't, it doesn't cost anything. Ooh, that's a good statement. Many times we imagine that God wants us to fear Him, but if we don't, there are no consequences. Wow. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Let me tell you, there are sins of commission and there are sins of omission. There are sins that we do because we do something and there are sins that, that we take on because we don't do some things. Sins cost. Sin cost God, and sin cost us. Sin cost our families. Sin will cost our communities. Sin will cost our nation. Sin will cost our generation. Sin cost, and sin can cost eternity. Rightly placed fear can be a very positive and a very productive motivation. However, the most quoted scriptures on fear, the most quoted verses 
on the subject of fear seem to be those verses that contain fear not. I mean, how many times have you heard fear not, fear not, fear not? Well, yes, that's in the Bible. It's in the King James Bible 63 times, that phrase, fear not. Many other times, do not be afraid. Yes, that is a, 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 a reality. You know, uh, from God's covenant partner, Abram, in Genesis 15, in, in, in verse 1, that's the first time that God said, fear not. All the way to Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, that's the last time that God said, fear not. All the way from Abraham, all the way to John the Apostle. Yes, God says, fear not. And he's hoping that we will not be afraid of our enemies. He is hoping that we will not be afraid of our future. God does not want us to live in debilitating fear. Uh, God, however often introduces himself into a situation whether it is his voice from heaven or an angel messenger or perhaps even you know uh, uh, appearing as jesus did to his disciples he often introduces himself with a fear not why why does god say fear not we well, shouldn't wonder why it's not really that that much of a wonder it's because it's a pretty scary thing to have an angel show up to you or to hear a voice from heaven or to, or to encounter a God moment is a pretty scary thing, you know? Uh, God introduces himself. Fear not. Well, uh, it is a fearful thing, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 31 says, to fall into the hands of a living God. It can be fearful when you realize that not only are you encountering God in your moment, a real God moment, but you are going to stand before him one day and give an account of your life. That should create not only this awesome reverence and respect for God, but it also should create a healthy motivation in our lives to realize that if we don't do what God says do, i.e. accept him as Lord and Savior, then it's going to cost eternity. And we will also find out at that great judgment seat and when the books are open that perhaps we also have missed some things in life because we did not. Maybe others miss things because we did not follow God's design. That's, you know, that's the place where God's going to wipe away tears. People say, oh, there's no tears in heaven. That is not the truth. The Bible says God will wipe away every tear. The Bible does not say you will not cry. Why would you cry in heaven? Perhaps over those that aren't there. And perhaps realizing that you had a chance to change that. God will wipe away every tear, though. It, you know, it's, God often reminds people to not be afraid. God does not want you afraid of your enemies. He does not want you afraid of your future. Uh, that is a reality. And, and even though we are encouraged to not allow our enemies to control us and not be afraid of the enemies, or, uh, yet we clearly and repeatedly see we are told to fear God himself. Not fear our enemies, not fear the future, but we are clearly told to fear God. Very interesting. Jesus admonished us 
to fear the one who, after we die, could cast us into hell. I mean, Jesus said, fear him. I mean, coming from the lips of Jesus, that is a pretty good admonition, wouldn't you think? And yet we imagine if we don't fear him, there's no consequences. This is, by the way, this Hebrew word that Jesus is saying, fear him, is not the one connected to reverence and respect. It's the one that's connected to a dreadful concern. Sometimes when we read the word fear in the Bible, we are encouraged. It means that we should stand in awe of God. Sometimes it means that. Uh, with a reverence, respect for his majesty, his might, his power, for the awesome things he can do. And at other times, we are told to be very careful and to not be confused, but to be very careful to not lose sight of the fact that our health, our peace, our prosperity are matters that are in God's hands. Our eternity is in God's hands. I mean... Our salvation is in God's hands. And everything that we need from God is a matter of His grace. We don't deserve it. We are depending on His grace to provide it. Now, uh, I need you to listen to me because if you don't listen to me, you're going to fall into a wrong category tonight. And you're going to put up a curtain like the disciples put up, we talked about Sunday, how the disciples did not understand what Jesus said when he started talking about he was going to be crucified. The reason they didn't understand it is because they put up a curtain. It did not fit their paradigm. It did not fit their narrative. It did not fit their doctrine. And they were afraid. It was a curtain of fear. They were afraid they were going to hear something that they didn't want. They were afraid they were going to hear something that made them afraid. Isn't that interesting? Well... You know, uh, Matthew 10, 28, Luke 12, 5, you know, Jesus is seriously talking about the word fear, to be seized with alarm. That's what it means. I mean, if you read that, it's, 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 it's the, uh, you know, it's, it's to be, you know, struck with a dreadful concern. Isn't that interesting that Jesus said, you know, be seized with alarm, be struck with a dreadful concern, that death is not your worst enemy dying without jesus would be and you need to be afraid of that you need to have some healthy fear because it's not going to be based on anything you getting into heaven is not based on anything but god's good grace because you have accepted you've done it his way you haven't done it your own way uh, i'm hoping that i can raise an alarm you know uh Luke, the first chapter, verse 50, Jesus said, and his mercy is on those who fear him. Same word, you know, uh, phobia. This is where we get the word phobia, phobio. Uh, his mercy is on those who have a phobia of displeasing God from generation to generation. Every generation faces the same thing. Every generation. Now, lest you invoke some mistaken doctrine and raise that curtain, uh, please let me encourage you to listen to the Word of God tonight. Don't listen to what I say. I'll give you Scripture. 
Listen to the Word of God. Don't listen to what anybody else has told you. Don't listen to what Mama told you. Don't listen to what the preacher on TV said. Don't listen to what I'm saying. Be noble. Be wise. This concerns you. This is your life. When you get to heaven, you cannot say, Pastor Ron said. That won't weigh on the scale. You cannot say, Mama told me. You cannot say, I thought. Okay? You're going to stand by yourself before a living God. And the Bible says it will be a fearful thing to stand before and to realize that you have fallen into the hands of a living judge, a living God who loves you and cares about you. But unless Jesus steps onto that scale for you and with you, you will stand there alone and you will be cast into outer darkness, away from God forever and ever. You need to be afraid of that according to the Word of God. And we who are born again need to have not only a healthy reverence and respect, but also the same thing in our lives that Jesus had in his. We'll talk about that in a moment. From the scriptures, not from your favorite doctrine, not from your promise box, not from your favorite preacher, not from your past, your history, your present, but from the word of God. It's important that we listen to the Word of God. And the first thing we, uh, you know, the two things we need to really realize, number one, Jesus is trying to teach you something that's going to help you. He's not trying to hurt you, just like his disciples. He was trying to tell them something that was going to help them. But they didn't want to hear it. Okay? Uh, please don't fall in that category. As I said, the Greek word that's used here by Jesus means to be seized with alarm, to be struck with, an, with, with a dreadful concern. Do you have a dreadful concern for the lost? This is how we should feel. We should be afraid of displeasing God. Now, not that he's going to break your leg or something. That's not the point. Okay? But neither is it relegated to reverence and respect of which if we do not do, it costs nothing. There are no consequences. That's just not the reality. We should fear displeasing God in every generation. Uh, you know, God said, uh, Jesus said plainly with his own mouth that mercy of God only belongs to those who fear him in this way. And let me tell you something. This generation, and when I say this generation, I don't mean just one section this generation has lost a fear of God. There is no fear of God in the world. Don't think that, you know, our governments fear God. They don't. They just don't. Most people don't fear God. They are not afraid of God. That is a problem. That's what God has identified as a problem is that the world does not fear him. They don't reverence him and they don't respect him, but neither do they have a dreadful concern that one day they're going to stand and give an account of their lives. And that will determine their eternal rewards. Uh, we need to realize Jesus is really trying to help us here. And we also need to realize that Jesus 
is only repeating and confirming the truth that was written in the Psalms and the prophets and the wisdom of Solomon. When Jesus said, listen, fear the one that can cast your soul into hell, fear him. Jesus is only repeating. He's only repeating this word, this concept of a dreadful concern, not this conduct of stand in awe and be amazed and give him reverence and give him your praise. He's not talking about the mild version of the, of the, you know, the, the good news for modern men. That was my swipe at paraphrase. <clears throat> Jesus is repeating what always has been and what always will be. That this is a mighty God that an almighty, omnipotent God. Now, this should not debilitate us. It should not tax our faith. It should invigorate us and motivate us to want to, to live a life pleasing because of the consequences if we don't. All the way back in Job 28, verse 28. Job said this, after Job had talked a long time, and then chapter 27, he continued to talk, and then chapter 28, he continued to talk. He gets down to the last verse of chapter 28, and he's continuing to talk, and he says this, And to man, he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Okay, You'll know that you fear the Lord whenever you quit doing evil things, because you're afraid of God that's that's the Hebrew word that means the same thing as phobia it's not that one that means stand in awe uh, it, it's that you know the one in, in Genesis 15 where he said to Abraham I you know fear me I am your you know exceeding yeah that's the one that means stand in awe and oh I reverence God he's mighty oh wow he's going to bless me wonderful this one means looky here you had better get some concern under your belt because if you don't fear the Lord, chances are you aren't going to be afraid to do evil. And I tell you, our nation and the nations of this world, the governments of this world, they aren't afraid to do evil. There's no fear of God in them. This is not a political thing, but I'm hoping that I can shine some light so you can see that we live in, 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 in a world, and it always has been this way that really needs to embrace the fear of the Lord. Psalms 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, a good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Listen, uh, you, you know that you understand God whenever you, are, <laughs> whenever you start living by His rules. When you aren't living by His rules, well, that's not too wise. You know, uh, uh, Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools don't like to be told what to do. Fools don't like to be corrected. Fools don't like to have to follow rules. But the fear of the Lord, that, this is that same, every one of these is going to be that same word that means this, this, this absolute dread of what's going to happen if I don't. Not just happen to me. What will happen to my family? What will happen to my friends? What will happen to my neighbors? What will happen in eternity? What will happen to my nation if I don't realize that God meant what he said? And there are consequences. Just go and ask Adam and Eve. There are consequences to sin. 
I mean, we and 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 you know, look look at our nation. There are consequences to sin. Proverbs nine verse ten: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, it's everything. It's you're wise. I'm I'm going to read a few of these that say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's repeated over and over and over, you know, by Job, by the Psalms, by, the, the, you know, by Solomon, by the prophets. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 15, 33, guess what it says? The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. That means before that you're going to get lifted up, you need to realize that you really aren't all that. You need to realize he is. You aren't. He is. He knows the way. He knows what we should do. And to fear doing something in a different way than what he wants you to do it. And clearly, you know, to not forgive your enemies, not forgive someone because they hurt you. God says forgive. Forgiveness sets you free. And if you hold on to forgiveness, if you hold on to that sin, if you aren't afraid of the Lord in such a way to realize there's going to be consequences if I don't obey Him, if I keep staying in this unforgiveness, I'm going to end up without joy. I'm going to end up dried up. I'm going to end up, I will end up with the, with, with, with the fruit of sin in my life. I'm going to end up with the fruit of the flesh in my life instead of the fruit of the Spirit. Instead of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and humility and self-control, I'll end up with wrath and sedition and heresy and I'll feel like murdering somebody I'll be envious and I'll be jealous and I'll be you know just running around in circles and not accomplishing anything that's the fruit of a life that's the fruit of a Christian life that's not doing things God's way but because you know I mean there are consequences is there peace in your home is there joy in your heart reckon why isn't this good this is good stuff you know, you know, where else can you go and get stuff like this for only a quarter? I saw what you put there in that offering envelope. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Hey, Proverbs. Uh, uh, well, let's, let's go to Isaiah. I'm gonna, we're we're going to press along. Isaiah 11, verse 2. This is prophetic of Jesus. This is talking about Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him prophetically. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon this Messiah. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. What do you mean? That means that Jesus had a healthy respect for doing it God's way, and he knew the cost that would be associated with it if he did not. Interesting, huh? There was a spirit of the fear of the Lord upon him. This is not that reverence and respect and awesomeness. This is that striking alarm and a reality of the concern that if, if, that, 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 that if, you know, if I sin and live in sin, it's going to cost. It'll cost me. It'll cost others. We should be, we should have a healthy fear of not doing that, you know? Now, if you sin, you ask God to forgive you, He will. Okay? But that's not the same as living in sin and thinking there are no consequences. Isaiah chapter 33. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is His treasure. To possess this 
alarm is a treasure in our life. It's an asset to us. It's a benefit to us. As I said, each time, each one I read, you know, I, I, I don't want to leave this out. Um, these verses, this word, it means to be afraid of being hurt. It's a phobia. It's like people who have this phobia of clowns, you know? You know, some people do, or balloons, or spiders, or whatever it may be, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, those are unreasonable, unfounded, and those, you know, you're not supposed to be afraid of your enemies. But the fear that you might imagine that would be invoked in the heart of someone who was afraid of a clown, that, that clown's going to hurt me, you know, uh, you should have a healthy fear that if you sin, it's going to hurt something. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. You should have a fear of being punished because punishment is a part. Correction, punishment is a clear part of the process of God raising his children. What child does God love that he does not chastise? That means spank. Okay, correct. And that spanking I got hurt. Hello? It means that, that, that you should be, have this concern of being left out because you don't get to be included because there's sin in your life. Because there's something in your life that you're displeasing God, you're doing it your way instead of His way, and so you're left out. You might be left out of the joy or left out of the, of the, of the group. You might be left out. You may, you may, God may not can include you in the things He would love to include you in. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's, uh, this is what the word means. It means to be terrified of dreaded results, of the actions which you are taking that run contrary to the will of God. Now, these are things that I have written down that are actual definitions of this word that Jesus used over and over and over. These are not things I made up somewhere. I didn't write these verses in the Bible. I'm reading them to you. Let's, uh, we're, we'll, we'll start to wind down, but let me run to Isaiah 11. I told you we would go there. And let me run to Isaiah 11. And remember, this is a two-part series. You're going to need the next part in order to fully understand what God is intending to convey. But, uh, but please hold on. Don't, don't, don't just taste the cake when I've only got the flour and the milk in it. Okay? You don't know how it's going to taste right now. Okay? And you're going to end up with a lot of questions. You know, uh, is it supposed to be this pasty? You know, well, hold on here. Not finished. But there's no way to finish this in one setting. So we're going to hold on to the reality that there is a reverential, respectful standing in awe of God that we owe Him our praise and our attention and our appreciation. But there is also a healthy concern that if we continue to move outside of the will of God, that we, we cannot imagine there aren't consequences to ourselves, to our families, to our community, to our nation, to our generation, and to eternity. We can't imagine that it does not cost us. We should be afraid of the cost. And that's what Jesus 
was trying to get across. So let's look in Isaiah chapter 11. This is prophetic again, beginning in verse 1, prophetic of the Messiah. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Talking about Messiah. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Praise God. Look in verse 3. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. This is that dreaded concern that he's going to be hurt or punished. What does that mean? That means that he's happy that there's something to keep him motivated and on, on board. His delight. He's, he's actually happy. The Messiah will actually be happy that he's under this mandate and under this uh, moment. It, it invigorated him to, to, to realize that his life was important and that what he did made a difference. And if he didn't do it, that it would cost people. That motivated him. It was a treasure to him. It was, it, 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 it was a delight. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Oh, my goodness. Now, no one is exempt from fearing the Lord. However, God's children are exempt from being damned with the wicked. You're exempt from being damned with the wicked. You don't have to fear that. Okay? But you're not exempt from fearing the Lord with a reverence and respect and also with a holy concern that if you don't do something that, you know, that that is evident and clear and i'm talking about the biggies here okay i'm not just talking about oh i missed it god wanted me to turn left and i didn't turn left you know you know i'm not we're you know, don't don't get don't miss it don't miss it because you're trying to disprove it god has a word here for us and god is trying to return our nation to the fear of the lord God at first, in order to turn our nation to the fear of the Lord, in order for us to return to a healthy fear of the Lord, our nation cannot turn if we won't. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, my people, he says, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Our land won't be healed according to 2 Chronicles 7.14 until we first turn from our wicked ways. And that should motivate, invigorate us. It shouldn't tax our faith. Don't be afraid. Many times fear is what motivates people to want to draw a curtain and only believe good stuff. God is a good God. You shouldn't believe anything else. And he's not going to give you cancer or break your leg. Okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a healthy fear of the Lord. No one is exempt from fearing the Lord. At the same time, we must include this admonition from the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul's writing. If we don't understand that there's some things we should be afraid of as Christians, then we've missed the boat. One of them is concerning communion, which we'll take this coming Sunday. In 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, for this reason, many of you, as he's writing to the born-again believers in the church in Corinth, many of you, for this reason, are weak and sick among you, and many of you die prematurely. That's what that means. 
He's talking to Christians. Why are many Christians sick and weak and die prematurely? He's saying that one of the causes could be you don't have a healthy fear of the Lord when you approach the communion table. I didn't write this, but I can certainly interpret it correctly according to the volume of scriptures written, not only Old Testament, but New Testament, and spoken by the mouth of Jesus. It's a good thing, a healthy thing, to realize that communing with the Lord has a power to it. It also has the power to heal. That should motivate us to get right with God and approach the table of the Lord, realizing how important it is not to allow the fear of death or the fear of our enemies or the fear of future or the fear of being eternally damned or the fear of the wicked or the fear of man, not allowing those things to enter into our lives at all. Perfect love casts out all that fear, and you are loved perfectly by God, but it does not cast out all the other fear that we are supposed to have. Fear him, Jesus said. That's what we should be afraid of. Not man, but God. We should fear living a life in such a manner that we don't think there are any consequences for our sin. Amen. We should fear life expecting some correction from God. God's mercy is with those that fear Him from generation to generation. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.